Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Who Do You Think You Are podcast with your host, Ken Castrico. Please hit that follow button so that you will not miss another podcast episode. Every episode, we interview an ordinary but extraordinary person on their identity journey. An identity journey is your unique journey that you have taken in your life to get to where you are now. That journey is not only fascinating, but inspiring and encouraging to others because others can relate to your struggles and victories, which can give them hope and help them get unstuck. Ultimately, my goal is to empower people to not only understand, but truly embrace their true selves, unlocking their full potential and living a more authentic and fulfilling life. Knowing who you are can change the way you see the world and others around you. And when you know who you are, you are powerful. Today, my guest is Jimmy Watson. Jimmy and I met through his wife, Lauren. Lauren was running one day on a group run with the Silver State Striders on the TRT. And soon after that, I met Jimmy. The first thing I thought of when I met Jimmy was that when you meet him, you feel like you've been friends with him your whole life. Jimmy is one of the kindest people I've ever met. He's one of those friends that if you needed help, he would drop everything to find a way to help you. Jimmy's faith in God is not only seen throughout this interview, but his actions on a daily basis. He lives his life believing the best in people. Jimmy was born and raised in Northern Nevada. He has been married to his amazing wife, Lauren, since 2009, and they live in Sparks, Nevada, with their two dogs, Ollie and Ivan. After high school, Jimmy earned a degree in journalism with an advertising focus from the University of Nevada, Reno, and started his professional career in an advertising agency. Today, he serves as the media and design manager and lead designer for the Bonanza Casino. In addition to his time at the Bonanza, he is fortunate to work with other local businesses, nonprofits, and event organizers when it comes to their graphic design and advertising needs on a freelance basis through Watson Branding and Design. Outside of work, he enjoys riding motorcycles, trail running, serving in his local church, and spending time with family and friends in a corner of Northern Nevada he is so lucky to call home. Please help me welcome Jimmy Watson. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Ken. I'm excited to be here. We have spent a lot of time together. Obviously, you know, we met on the trail. I think I met your wife before I met you. You did. On the trail and on the TRT trail. I'll never forget that day when I met Lauren. So I think we just get started. Perfect. Okay. Let's roll. Okay. So I guess... Let's start at the beginning. At, let's say around five years of age, or I don't know, whatever back around there you remember. Tell me, where where did you live? Where did you grow up? Yeah. And how that? How did Jimmy come to be? Perfect. So born and raised here in Northern Nevada. I was born at St. Mary's Hospital in Reno, and it was kind of a rough start for me early on. You know, I was born a preemie, born at 28 weeks. And really? Yeah, and that was one of those things. It was it was a really scary time, you know, for my whole family, for my mom, my dad, and uh, you know, I. It was one of those things where, at that time, my dad wasn't sure, you know, whether or not I was going to make it or my mom was going to make it. You know, it was a really scary time, wow. and so that was, that was tough. And so, fortunately, you know, great doctors, whole lot of prayer. I'm here today. My mom's here today and we, we made it through, but I definitely spent those early early days and months of my life living in an incubator at St. Mary's, cooking a little more <laughs> until it was time for me to, to come home and, and you know, great 
NICU staff there and, and really grateful, grateful for that. And, and a funny story that my parents always, always laugh about is during that time, you know, my dad was at the hospital 24-7, you know, while, while I was in the incubator, my mom was recovering. And, and they said, you know, one day he was down in the cafeteria and, you know, my dad has a big mustache, but at that time he'd been up for so long and, and worried that, you, you know, his beard had grown out and he was looking kind of, you know, disheveled and, and hair kind of everywhere and he had fallen asleep and, and they thought he was a homeless person, you know, and they said, sir, you're going to have to leave. And, and he said, no, my, my family's here. You, they're right upstairs. They're like, no, no, you're going to have to leave. And so kind of a funny laugh now, you know, at the time, you know, he was just trying to get some sleep, poor guy. But so that was, that was kind of a, kind of a rocky start. But once I was able to come home, I lived all the way up through high school on the North Shore of Lake Tahoe in, oh, did. in Incline Village. Now, how long were you in the hospital for, you and your mom? You know, I... I don't know exactly, no, but it, but it was, it was quite a, quite a bit of time because, you know, I was a pound, 10 and a half ounces when wow. I was born and, you know, being born at 28 weeks. So it, it was, it was, it was real early and, and pretty touch and go there for a while. And, you know, I'm, I'm wow. real fortunate for, for the medical team there because there's a lot of things being born that early that they're concerned about, right. you know, health problems and, you know, my, my eyes aren't that great because I had to get a lot of oxygen, but overall, you know, I'm really grateful for where wow. I'm at now. So, so um, you, guys, you lived on the North Shore. So we lived on the North Shore. So you grew up there early on. Early on. I, my parents worked in education. My mom was a kindergarten teacher at that point in her career. My dad was a principal oh, wow. on, on South, South Lake Tahoe. And so, you know, it was, it was a great, great place to grow up. You know, I feel super fortunate. My parents worked hard and I'm an only child. And so our, our family was and always has been real close knit. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my parents have always been awesome. You know, I look at my mom, you know, she's, she's an eternal optimist and always puts herself in front of others, you know, to, to help others out, to, to serve others, you know, whether that's that was kids in her kindergarten class later. She was a professor at Sierra Nevada College, you know, oh, wow. through that, that stage of her career to family, friends, you know, total strangers. She goes out of her way to, to help others out, you know, and, and in such a positive way, you know, that's our, our home was always filled with a lot of joy. And, really? and I'm grateful for that. Was know. she the consummate kindergarten teacher? Was she, she was, is she kindergarten teacher? She's kindergarten, yeah. Was she the consummate kindergarten teacher? You know, there's, there's the kindergarten teacher. Yeah, was yeah, she like you know, that? just just tons of energy, you know, loved loved every single kid in her class, you know. I'm so grateful that, you know, friends that I'd see, you know, because it's a small small community. I think yeah. our graduating class had less than 100, you know, and, and so many kids throughout the years, you know, they'd say, oh, you know, your mom was my teacher and she was my favorite and you know Mrs. Watson she's the best and you know even now we we ran into one of my friends growing up his sister this last weekend and and she said she said oh your mom was the best so now you know years and years later she's she's retired and and it's been you know probably 30 years for this gal you know she still comes <laughs> back and says your mom was the best and so I'm I'm grateful for that you know grateful to oh, yeah. to have my mom that way and and my dad you know he's you you talk about I mean I admire both my parents and, and my dad's up there as well you know I'm so fortunate to have a father like him you know uh-huh. he's he's a man that's trustworthy kind honest you know humble and consistent and just just the you know no matter what our family had faced over the years you know what no matter what 
came up, he was he was always there leading us well and and supportive and you know he worked hard and and same way with my mom you know putting himself out there for others to right. to help them right. and and so I, I'm grateful for for both of them and yeah yeah did he commute to South Lake Tahoe to to, to be principal he did he did every, every day you know every wow. day back and forth and he said it was the most beautiful commute of course it, which which it was you know sometimes with the weather it got a little hairy but but he enjoyed it and and you know even though he had that commute he was there for games and and you know extracurricular stuff that I had going on he was always there to support me and mm. and you know it, it's a great place to grow up you know a beautiful place and you know great group of friends and you know an interesting interesting place to grow up as well because you know you have such such a diverse community you know you have right. families that are living multiple people to a apartment and then you on the other side of that spectrum you have families that have million dollar houses on the lake right you know and and what I what I admire from something that I learned from my parents is you know it doesn't matter where people are on that spectrum they're great people and and it doesn't matter you know what they're they look like on the outside they're great people and so I I had a lot of friends all across that spectrum you mm-hmm. know and and while I feel like our family was kind of kind of in that middle. You know, my parents worked hard as teachers, and and you know, I'm glad that I gained that point of view of life and people right. from them. Right, that's incredible. You know, so when you were up at, were you at Incline? Incline. You were at Incline. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, about all the things that you've done is, I mean, all the sports and the activities. What are some of those things being up there? I mean, I can kind of guess, but. What did you love to do up there? Yeah, you know, like I said, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to grow up and and so many opportunities for doing things outdoors. You know, I started skiing about when I was two and a half, snow skiing, and that continued all the way through through high school, ski racing and you uh, raced. raced. Yeah, so so traveled. So that was that was kind of my main focus sports wise growing up. You know, I played some soccer, you know, T ball, ran a season across country in middle school. But for the most part, it was it was ski racing that was my focus, and you know that was on the the kind of like like you know today a lot of families do travel baseball or travel soccer. It was that was skiing, and so you know I never went internationally, but you know kind of in the western region skied up and down, and you know really enjoyed that, and so that was, that was my focus in the summertime. You know we we spent a lot of time out on the lake, water skiing mm-hmm. and wakeboarding, and. And that I really enjoyed, you know, my, that was a big part of my parents right after they got married. That was, that was what they really enjoyed was, you know, the boat, the boat and, and going, they lived in Southern California at the time, going out to the Colorado river and water skiing. And that was their friend circle. So, you know, I'll I'll never forget when, when my dad taught me how to get up on, on water skis, you know, that was one of those things that, you know, you see images on TV of you know their da- dads when their son hits a home run or something yeah. or something like that, and I don't know that I've well, fortunately I've, I've seen my dad proud a lot of times, but I think one of those times was 
you know, his, his fist pump from the driver's seat of the boat as I was getting up on water skis for the first time. And, right. you know, he even went as far as, you know, at that time I was in, in Boy Scouts, he was, became a merit badge counselor for the water skiing merit badge so that, the, that he could award that. So I hope that some of the other, other members of, of the local troop sure, <laughs> you know, had earned their, their water ski merit badge, but there you go. I don't know. That was, that was the start of it. So that was pretty cool. A water ski merit badge. Yeah. Now if there's something that forms your identity as a young kid, <laughs> yeah. that's gotta be one of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, that's kind of interesting because it is one of those things that at that age, you know, in, in my friend circle, you know, we grew up during that X Games era, you know, the mm-hmm. action sports era. And so it was, you know, snow skiing in the winter to, you know, water skiing, wakeboarding in the summer and, you know, jumping on trampolines and looking through the, the latest magazines and seeing your heroes of the sport, you know, people that you that you idolize at the time being like, man, I wanted to be, be like them. And, you know, Did that, you that have was that? fun. Yeah. Who, who, is the, who is the couple of people that you really idolized or followed you know grow, back then growing up you know on, on the skiing side was you know skiers like jp Claire or shane mcconkey you know the the freestyle mm-hmm. not freestyle but more free ride side of skiing on the racing side it was it was darren rolves you know that was when he was seemed like he was winning everything and and then on the the water sports side it was wakeboarders like sean murray you know mm-hmm. guys that were incredible on the water, but their story off the water, you know, he, he's a Christian and that was something that spoke to me mm-hmm. and, and my family that was really important and pretty cool to, to see somebody, you know, maybe in, in that arena, faith may have not been a big focus, but he made sure to bring that wherever he went. And that was, that was admirable. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned, you know, going to church mm-hmm. or the Christian, following the Christian, were you guys a church going family? We were, we were, we, we went to church regularly, you know, helped out in, in a couple different ways, different churches. For a long time, it was fun. Part of the Christmas services was a was a marionette show at one of the churches that we went to. And so that was the focus and to help tell the Christmas story. And so that was fun over the years when I was little, you know, to be able to be a part of that. And, and my mom kind of spearheaded that, you know, she's always been very talented when it comes to music and, and creative things that really? way. And, and so that was fun to that outputting from her to, to help out with that. And there's a bunch of local kids and, and stuff. So that was, you know, spent a couple of those years, you know, as a, as a puppeteer. And that, that was, that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, but we, we involved in church, youth group, and definitely kind of set a great foundation to later on in life. Yeah. I know that's very important to you now. Mm-hmm. So you're growing up in North Shore, and you went to college in UNI, UNR, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. So that's another part of your your life. How was that, moving down from a – I mean, I know we're not very far away from incline, but right. how was that? How you does know, that work? It, it, was, it was interesting because, you know, it, it did feel like a big move. You know, it was the start of a new chapter in life, and I think – it's, it's funny because I've lived in, you know, born and raised within probably a 25-mile radius, you know, if you look, drew a circle on a map, which I'm grateful for. I love where we live and, and grateful that this is where where I've chosen to, to call home. But, you know, that, that was kind of one of those things where, you know, f- through scholarship opportunities and, and proximity to being close to family and friends and, and things that I enjoyed, you know, UNR seemed like a great great opportunity. And so 
it was fun because I lived with in the dorms with one of my my great buddies growing up. You know, we'd been friends since sixth grade. You know, did everything together, and so so we lived in the dorms, and it was it was funny because I feel like we just kind of packed up one day and both moved in, and 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 that was that, and then we started this this next adventure, and um, but still fun, so you could continue to you know see family close by, and and you know work in summer jobs and things like that. It, I worked at the same jobs that I had done in the summers in high school, and then for a couple winter seasons, I coached skiing up at Diamond Peak, which was fun, you know, coaching kids. Really? Really enjoyed that, so that was, that was super fun. Yeah. So, but yeah, but, but definitely a new adventure, you know, new people, meeting, living in a new place, and, you know, I, for as long as I could remember, you know, aside from the first couple of years that I, from when I, after I was born, you know, we lived in the same house and same group of friends, and, you know, we were all kind of in the same circle of, people. Yeah. So would you describe your upbringing, your family life as kind of a leave it to beaver? That yeah. that whole very Americana, you know, yeah. parents stay together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, was it, that odd? Because um, there, there's been a lot of, I mean, it's not always like that now. Right. Right. No, I, I feel super fortunate. You know, I'm really grateful for my parents, you know, not to say that life was always easy. You know, in high school, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that was a, a tough chapter of our family story. You know, we've shortly thereafter, you know, we, we had some some loss of people that we loved. You know, my my aunt, my uncle, you know, my my grandma came to live with us for, for some period of time. And, and she, you know, she's she was the best, you know, well, both my grandmas were, but, but you're right. You know, it was, you look at a, a picture of a, of a solid family, you know, I'm grateful to say that, that I come from that and, and it definitely shaped of how I look at relationships and faith and, and a whole lot of things, hard work, you know, that's kind of shaped the way I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really amazing thing. You know, like my wife, Diane, she has that family. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Sometimes we'll be in a room with extended family will be in there with her sister and and my family you know my you know diane and and our kids and Mm -hmm. there'll be multiple families there and you can look in there and there's there's 300 or 400 years of marriage yeah it's a pretty amazing thing you know when you can experience that you know that's cool it's super cool and and you know my mom and dad are gearing up next year to celebrate their 50th anniversary you know and that's that's huge you know, and, and as I've learned more in life, you know, everybody has different reasons or choices, but man, what an example to have in life. Yeah. And I'm really grateful It's a for blessing. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and pe- you're right. I mean, sometimes it's, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. It's very, life is complicated. Yeah. It has very, some twists and turns in it, doesn't it? It does. What were you studying in college? So I started out just kind of general, general studies and then, you know, coming from, a family of educators and, you know, to go past my mom and dad, my aunt and uncle were teachers and, you know, my, my cousin soon thereafter became a teacher. And it's like, well, that's what, that's what we do as Watsons, you know, and I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed working with the kids and, you know, in, in some practicum type situations. And, you know, when I was coaching skiing, that was a great thing too, that the kids were a blast and, and it was, it was super fun. And so started out with that. And then, you know, I've always, enjoyed the creative aspect. You know, in high school, that was, we'd make 
ski movies and, and put those together. And, you know, I always enjoyed that. And on the flip side, I also enjoyed writing, you know, writing's always been something that I've, I've really enjoyed. And people say that I've been pretty decent at, so that's been fun. And, and so kind of taking that creative aspect side, you know, I was like, man, you know, advertising and that kind of marketing side of life seems interesting. And so through the journalism school, I earned my, my degree in journalism with an advertising focus. And so, really? so kind of made that shift, yeah. which I really enjoyed. You know, it was kind of blending the creative aspect of the writing with the marketing strategy of, you know, the business department. So it, it, was, it was really fun and got to learn from a lot of great professors that had, you know, real life experience and kind of made an interesting path for me to carve forward in my life, you know, taking mm-hmm. what, you know, my, my mom's a great writer, my dad's a great writer. So taking that aspect of life that I had grown up with and saying like, okay, well now I'm going to own this and, and here's the next stage of, of what this looks like for right. me. Did you teach? I, I didn't, no. I, I did some kind of, not student teaching, but, you know, classroom time experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that was at one of the local elementary schools. I think it was a fourth grade classroom. And and, and the kids were awesome, you know, and I, I really enjoyed it. But, you know, I, I think it was just decided that maybe maybe I'd try something different mm-hmm. and it stuck. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to have you as my teacher. Hey, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I know very much, but it'd be fun. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun yeah. for sure. Yeah. I love encouraging people. And that was that some of the best teachers that I've had in my life and the teachers that I see making a change in kids' lives are great encouragers mm-hmm. and positive. And, and I feel like I inherited that from my parents. And, and I hope that I can do that, even though it may not be in a classroom. I hope I can do it in other aspects mm-hmm. of life. Well, we know that you are an incredible encourager. That's, that's your nature, who you are. So you thank your parents for that. It seems like it comes very natural to you. It just, it is just something who you are. You're a very encouraging, very positive person. Is that something that you believe that you have to work on that? Or is it, is it something that you, it's just infused in you? Like, I don't know if I've ever seen you very negative. Well, thanks. You know, it happens. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've shared with my wife, Lauren, and something that I'm, I feel like I try to be pretty cognizant of is I, it does come naturally to me. And that's how I try to like to, you know, live my life. But I also don't want it to ever come off as false, you know, or that I'm trying too hard or something like that. I want it to be authentic and that it means something to people, Mm -hmm. you know, not just a, oh, it's all, you know, unicorns and rainbows and everything's (laughs) great, you know, because times in life it's not. But in those times, you know, I want to make an impact with what I say and, and what I do for people and, you know, whether that's being there for them or trying to say something that is helpful, that's where I want to be when it comes to encouragement. So the first job you had out of college, what did you do? So my last year of college, as I was wrapping up, I got hired on as an intern at an advertising agency. And so I worked there, you know, I graduated on, it was like a Friday and Monday I was working full time, which I was grateful for that opportunity. It was interesting. We did a lot of at that time, web design and documentary work. And so it was fun to be back behind the, you know, behind the lens of a camera doing video work because that was something that I enjoyed so much, you know, in high school and, you know, saving my money to buy my first camera and, and stuff. That was, that was super fun to be back in that, you know, cutting video, 
editing that was that was a fun piece and and then the web design you know, I'd never done anything like that and so learning HTML and and that was when WordPress you know the blogging platform was starting to get big and so coding in you know PHP and all those different you know coding languages that was something that was that was all new to me and so coming from you know the journalism school I really didn't have much of a design background you know as far as artistically it was more copywriting and and things like that but to learn how to take what our designers would build you know slice it and, and build it out into a website was pretty cool and so that was just all on the job training and, and learning and from there you know is I think I was there for two two and a half years and as time went on I moved into more of a account manager kind of client relations role you know working one-on-one with the clients and you know project management and in addition to still doing some documentary work and, and web design gotcha mm-hmm. And so where you work now? Yeah, so currently I'm the media and design manager at the Bonanza Casino, and mm-hmm. it's a small, smaller locals, family-owned casino. We're just celebrating our 50th anniversary right now. Nice. And, you know, it, it's super cool story. Our owner, Rush Sheltra, he graduated from UNR, bought a small market on the back of a cocktail napkin for nothing down, and has turned it into the casino of what it is today. You know, he's he's been, if not the sole owner, one of the owners since it it's initially inception. opened and, you know, all family run and just our GM is his son and, and just really cool to see that family tradition and just leadership model work out in such a great way because I know that's not always the case for some businesses, but to see it and see him live it out is is really encouraging and a great team to be a part of. So I've been there in January. It'll be 12 years. Wow. I uh, started in a marketing coordinator role, and and they've allowed me to grow. And so in my position now, I'm responsible for the creation of all the graphic design and you know marketing material. So that's everything from billboards to website to digital screens inside the casino to print media, all that, Wow, which is super fun. So it's, it's a real diverse environment. And... And being born and raised in Nevada, you know, working in a casino, I guess it, that kind of fits kind as of well. Kind of fits, yeah. Yeah, and then in my time outside of the Bonanza, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of, you know, local companies and friends on a freelance basis right. through my own personal company, Watson Branding and Design. And that's a lot of fun just to work on, you know, helping friends out, whether that's yeah. getting their business rolling or, you know, doing other fun projects. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything you see that I've had that's, Design has been designed by you. Yeah, you know, the endurance leadership and yeah, and it's it's been really fun to to work with you. You know, yeah, you, you, you keep me busy and, <laughs> and I, I enjoy you know supporting you and in what you have going on and, and yeah. the gifts that you bring to so many other yeah. businesses and people. Oh, well, thank there. you. Yeah. yeah, it's been great, and I think one of the things that really is fascinating about. And I think it fits you very well is that, you know, you're, the way you describe what you, how you want to build that business is more of helping people. And that is, that is who you are. I mean, oh, you're thanks. just you're that guy. So I want to talk a little bit about your wife. Yeah. And how did you meet Lauren and, and how did that all come about? Yeah. So it was, I think about 2006. So in the middle of my studies at UNR, Lauren was going to UNR as well. And we, we were both attending the InterVarsity Christian group on, on campus. So, you know, coming from 
uh, a home church, you know, going to the college campus, you know, there's a lot of kids that want to continue growing in their faith and being plugged in, but don't have a home church, you know, or don't have a home church yet, or, you know, are interested about learning more about Jesus and what that looks like and, and living out their faith. And so I, I had started going to this group, which was super cool. You know, we had worship services and messages and, and I joined a small group Bible study and really met a lot of cool people that, that I've, you know, continued on with friendships to today. But we had a a conference that was down in Davis, California, and it was it was funny. It was one of those things where I was like, "Man, I'm gonna just drive myself because if this is lame, then <laughs> and I can just bail at least. You know, this 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 is okay." So so we go down there because I didn't know what to expect. You know, right. I hadn't really done anything like that, and and so we were on a break, and these two girls came up and talked to me, and I you know, I didn't know who they were, and you know, I'd never seen them before, and and it ended up being. Lauren and her roommate at the time and one of her good friends and so they were like hey you know just kind of looking at me they're like hey do you ski or snowboard or anything and I was like well I'm a skier and so they both kind of looked at each other and laughed and then you know we started talking more and more and so from that initial conversation you know things you know we hung out for the rest of the weekend and got to know each other and so little did I know until later that Lauren and her roommate had a deal that at that time, whenever they'd need a, a guy, if he was a snowboarder, Lauren's roommate got to hang out with them because she was a snowboarder. <laughs> and if she was a skier, then Lauren, Lauren's also a skier, you know, and, and Lauren got to hang out oh with them. Gosh. And so, you know, her roommate's an awesome person and, and a great friend, and we shared a lot of, a lot of great times, but I can say I, I lucked out on the deal. You got a good you know, deal. You know, and so, so, yeah, so Lauren and I, you know, we started off, just being great friends, you know, we, we go skiing together and, you know, it, it's kind of cool to look at, look back and see where things started, you know, and, and how it's kind of shaped our relationship to where it is today. And, you know, what started off is, you know, so we were at this conference and then skiing brought us together and that was an important piece, but really there was so much more in being people of faith, you know, God had his hand in that moving since the beginning, which is super cool. But from there, you know, we, we dated for about three years. She's much smarter than I am. And so, <laughs> married uh, up. yeah, I'm, I'm married up for sure. And so she graduated, she had started a little bit earlier than I had. She graduated before me, but once I graduated, you know, a couple weeks later we were engaged. And then that October we ended up getting married. And so dated for about three years, and then in October of this year, we'll be celebrating our 14th. Yeah, 14th. 14th. Yeah. So later this year, we'll be celebrating our 14th anniversary That's of great. being married. So That's incredible. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. So I met Lauren on the trail. I met her, and I think we were on a, it was on a group run on the TRT, and I'll, I'll never forget that day as long as I live. I'll never forget that day because I... I'm not very fast runner, and she's pretty. She's faster, way faster than me, and I must have drove her nuts for a couple hours, you know, talking her ear off. And I remember her telling me, you know, we got it, we got to meet because we had so much in common. Yeah. Obviously, with the Diane and I and you and her. And yeah. So the other part of your life is motorcycles. I mean, you're a motorcycle trail rider, I, and you've done some really cool things. Yeah. With that. So how did that all come about? So when I turned 16, much against my mom's excitement about it, I brought home my first dirt bike 
and it had to, <laughs> it had to live in the shed because there was no way it was getting close to the garage. <laughs> but I had had buddies that had ridden, and you know they, much like I had the opportunity to start skiing at such a young age, they had started riding motorcycles at that stage of life, and so they were much more skilled than I was. And when you're 16, and just hanging out with your buddies at that that time frame of life, you know. It's, it's survival of the fittest. Like, you better hang or else you're getting left behind. And, and I was literally left in the dust quite a bit just trying to trying to learn just the basics, and that was that was super hard. I'm surprised I still ride today because it was kind of a rough start. But started riding then, and, you know, my dad had ridden when he was younger, and so it was my junior year of college. He picked up a dirt bike too, and so... We both started riding then and together, which was a lot of fun. You know, shared a lot of time on the trail together and, and enjoyed that, you know, father and son. And so it just kind of continued on riding, riding with my buddies. You know, we live with access to tons of public land and the desert. And so you can go just go for miles as long as you want. And so started riding more desert and dipped my toe in some racing, did some local races, you know, through the Virginia City Grand Prix, mm-hmm. which is a classic race that's been going on for years, you know, super fun and one of those those classic things in the area. Did race some of the Moran series, which is the local desert racing series, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, those races are anywhere from 100 to 120 miles in you know, you all line up on one line, they, they drop the flag and everybody takes off through the desert and whoever's there at the finish in the first, you know, they're taking home the trophy. So that, that was super fun. And then when I met Lauren, you know, she didn't ride at all, wanted nothing to do with it. But little by little, I, I broke her down and, <laughs> and she started riding, you know, started riding later on. Soon after we got married, we got her a little starter bike and she did great. You know, she had grown up driving a manual car and a lot of that that strategy, not strategy, but kind of the mechanics of it are similar. Right. And so the she, dexterity yeah, and everything you have yeah. to do with your hands and your feet and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. And she grew up riding horses. And so, you know, her balance is, is awesome. And I always laughed. I was like, man, you know, horses have a mind of their own. These motorcycles have a kill switch and they shut it down. And, <laughs> and so she'd laugh, but you know, she's, she's become a, a very skilled rider and it's really opened up a lot of opportunities for us to share time together you know, we're, we're super fortunate for that yeah. and, and gone on some really cool adventures, you know, over, over the past, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so, we've really gotten into camping off the bike. So we've taken a couple cool, you know, multi-day trips where we load up all of our supplies, kind of like a backpacking type setup, and we'll head off into the desert for six, seven days and make a big loop. And it's just a really fun way to explore this place we're so fortunate to call home yeah. and do that. And Tell us a little bit about your adventures up to Wyoming. Yeah, so that that was, uh, what year was that? 2014, 2015? So we, we did a ride that's put together by a gentleman named Tony with a company called Backcountry Byways. And he's made this 2,300-mile loop that goes through Nevada, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, Utah, and back to Nevada. And so... We had taken two and a half weeks to Lauren and I to do this trip, and you know it was just beautiful. It was it was such a great great opportunity to do that, and so we, we took off and we were up in and had just crossed into Wyoming, and and this was in October, so it was really cold. You know, come to find out, the next day was kind of a blessing in disguise. But 
we had come across a big mud section. And so I, I rode across first and then Lauren came through behind me and sure enough, you know, the something grabbed her in the mud that she didn't see. She went down and a bike landed on top of her and, and later on we, we learned that she had broken her leg. We didn't know that at the time, but you know, here we were over a hundred miles from civilization by ourselves and it was one of those things where we're like, well, man, we gotta figure out how to get, you know, not just Lauren out of here safely and, and get her attention, but also the bike as well. And so she said, I think I can ride out still. And so I ended up having to start her bike and then literally lifting, physically lifting her leg over the bike. And, and she rode over a hundred miles that day with a broken leg out into Idaho Falls was where the closest town wow. we could get to. We didn't know that her leg was broken at the time, but you know, things started swelling and ended up renting a U-Haul and putting the bikes in and coming home where we found out that her leg was, was broken. But to see her, her strength and calmness in a, in a situation that was really bad, you know, was, was just so impressive. And, you know, I, I've seen it, you know, had the honor of seeing it so many other ways in life, both in good situations and challenging situations to see that strength and determination and clear headedness to make the most of, well, this is what our situation is. How are we going to make it out? Right. So unfortunately, you know, we weren't able to complete the trip. We've had a lot of great trips since then, and we'll be back out there. You're going to you do know, it again? So, someday, you know, when, when the work schedule allows us to, we'll be back out. Nice. So that'll be fun. Yeah, those adventures are amazing. Yeah. Do you think your adventures, you, you seem like a, well, I know you're an adventurous person. You, you guys like to go on adventures all mm-hmm. the time. Does that feed your soul? I, I think so. I think it does. It's It's something that refreshes me, recharges me, and... I'm also a planner, so I enjoy that process mm-hmm. of it to, you know, for that, those trips like that, it's the prep of the bike, the, the mapping it out with the GPS, you know, the figuring out where we're going to stay. And, you know, Lauren does a great job as well, planning our food, you know, the things that she's put together from, you know, the creative backpacking meals with a, a can of chicken, instant rice, and, you know, some seasoning that she's made these great meals that are some of the, the best things I've ever eaten, you know, when we're sitting out there, you know, looking over the horizon, watching the sun go down and just being able to share that, you know, with my best friend, I'm, I'm super grateful for, and, you know, those adventures and kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. really has made, it, it excites me. It scares me a little bit also, but it's also refreshing and, and you get to see and experience a lot of cool things that you may not have been able to get to if you stayed within your bubble. And then meeting new people, you know, there's, there's so many fun stories of people that we've come across that some we wanted to see, some we may not have wanted to see that we're kind of like, well, that was really weird, wasn't it? You know, <laughs> But it's been fun and definitely something that I'm really grateful to, to share in that, those adventures together. Right, right. Yeah. So you, you guys have been going through life. You're, you know, you've had a, I mean, not without problems and mm-hmm. difficulties and obviously it's just life. But a couple of years ago, you had a pretty big challenge, and it wasn't all roses. And so you want to describe a little bit of what happened with you and that challenge? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so 2019, it, I was in the shower one day, and I felt a lump in, in my left testicle, and I thought, well, that's weird. You know, it, I was 32 years old and healthy. I had just, I, you know, become a runner by then. And I had just run my best 
time at a 50K. I felt healthy. I was excited for what was ahead. I was gearing up for a big motorcycle race later that summer, and this was beginning of March. And within a month's time, I went from I feel normal, everything feels healthy, everything feels good, to sitting in a doctor's office saying, we need to schedule you for tomorrow, you have testicular cancer. And that was one of those moments that, you know, you've seen it replayed on TV, you hear about other people's stories with it, and until you're in that situation, you're like, how? You know, this this doesn't make any sense. You know, I feel great. You know, people that have cancer are sick, and this is feel fine. And and plus I'm young, you know, and and then to have seen it firsthand, you know, with my mom when I was in high school and, and her courageous battle. And then sadly to see the loss of my aunt shortly later on to ovarian cancer and my uncle to lung cancer, you know, it was like, wait, you know, I'm just getting started in life. You know, Lauren and I are we hadn't been married that long and, and, you know, I have all these plans and, you know, one thing I've learned, I learned that day and I've learned since then is cancer doesn't care. It doesn't care what your plans are, what your family structure looks like, what your aspirations are. It's, it's going to do its damage and all your focus that you had on what you thought was life was going to look like switches around and it takes all that focus. Hmm. Going through a, a, something as traumatic and, and, and you know, life-threatening. I mean, everything. So this positive person, that, did it challenge you? It, it did, and it still does. You know, so the time frame from and as we came to learn that when the doctor says, hey, we're going to do some tests, and then we're, I'm going to meet with you, and then you're going to do surgery within 12 hours, that's not a good sign. You know, we thought, wow, great. You know, people are, people on our time frame. you know, we're, we're going to move this thing along. And, and that was definitely not the case because that was, that meant things are bad. And so what had happened was it had grown and there was some concern of spread based on what the scans were showing that it had spread into my lungs as well. And so that was a concern also. And so the time frame from meeting, sitting there in the urologist's office to surgery the very next day to remove my left testicle and, and the tumor to shortly thereafter to they placed a, a port, which would be how they would deliver the chemotherapy to me to then later on starting chemo. You know, it was a, it was a very short time frame and, you know, it was tough because I saw my mom who I shared is the eternal optimist, you know, she was scared because here I was in the same hospital that I was born in, you know, going in for cancer surgery. And they had all those memories of, hey, we don't even know if Jimmy's going to make it, you know, from when I was born to my dad who, you know, I'm, I'm a lot like my dad that when we get concerned or worried, we just go quiet. And he was awfully quiet that day. And, and that yeah. was scary. And then, and then right next to me also was Lauren, you know, and, and here we were, pretty newly married and she was so scared you know and and it's hard because all of our family and friends you know they were there in prayer and support but there was nothing they could do you know and that was one of those things where we just had to go through the process and you know I I shared earlier that I I like to be a planner and so that was one of those things where I was like okay here's 
here's what's ahead and this is what I need to prepare myself for and this is this is what things are going to look like so surgery recover from that they're going to place the port and then I'm going to recover from that and then I'm going to start chemo and this is this is how life's going to go and and then we'll, we'll see what's going to happen but I'm not backing down I'm going to fight this thing and and I know that my faith is strong God has a plan for this and I don't like that I'm here I don't understand it but it's time to, to face it full on and, and see what's ahead. So, you know, a more easy question would be, you know, gosh, you decided that you were going to face this thing and do it. What, what was the negative things that you can think of where you were really tested in your faith? Yeah, so, I mean, I think when you get a, get a diagnosis like that or a loss or some tragedy in your life, you wonder, you know, where is God in this? You know, why, why is this part of my story? You know, I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to, trying to, to play by the book, literally, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was hard because it was easy to either face this thing and get bitter and sour, or as a friend said, one one of our great friends at church, he said, you can either get through this, you can either get better or you can get bitter. And so this was something that was a choice, you know, every, every day, you know, and, and still every day, you know, that I'm grateful to say I'm, I'm in remission now, you know, four years later, but it's, it's been a process and it's been, been really, really hard. You know, I look at those early days within diagnosis and treatment and, it, and, Everybody's experience is different, and what I've learned is I don't care what stage your cancer's at, what, what type of cancer, what your experience is, what your treatment looks like. It's all the same, and it's all as such an impact on your life. And, you know, people say, oh, you know, this may be worse than another. There's no scale. It's cancer, and you need to be there to support people that are through it and have that empathy for everyone that's faced it and the family too, because I know that there's a lot of things that I experienced that my family, it looked different for them. And, you know, we had to have conversations about that. And, and it's, it's so hard because it's such an emotionally charged time that it, it makes it really scary and, and not knowing the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, as the years have gone on, I've, I think the, post-treatment side of things at times can be more mentally challenging where in the midst of the surgery and the treatment it's more physically taxing Mm -hmm. because you know what you're fighting you know what you're up against in this remission side you know while I'm so you know praise God I'm so grateful to be here it's one of those things where it's like okay you know every time you go in for a scan or blood test it's like today is the day where they're going to say, hey, I'm sorry, it's back. Mm-hmm. Now we, now here's what we got to do. Or, you know, years down the road, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have the right or if you're not really working on that side of it, mm-hmm. it can steal your entire life, even, even when you're clear in remission. So what is, where are some of the places I know that you, I know that you, I mean, your company has just had something you were telling me about that, you know, was helping out and raising money and making more. And what are some of the things that are close to your heart now? 
Yeah, so I, as far I, as you know, giving back. Yeah, I, I think that you know on the cancer side of things, it's definitely giving you more empathy and and wanting to help out people that are in it. You know, sadly, we've had friends that didn't make it out. You know, that sadly that was their story, and that's been really hard mm-hmm. to walk alongside their spouses and family. You know, there's there's also friends that are living out those those emotions of what it looks like to get diagnosed with, you know, family members, it, it's the same way. And so I've been trying to, to be supportive of them and, and help them out and say, hey, I, I understand, you know, my situation and the details may look different, but I understand what you're going through and how can I help you? You know, how do you feel loved and supported? What does that look like? And so being able to, to help out with that and, you know, for me, my faith has always been important and one of the most prominent things that have has come out of this whole chapter of my story it's an opportunity where i can share my faith and talk about god's provision in my life and i know that not everyone shares that same point of view as i do or same belief or faith but this is my story and i'm grateful to share to you you know where i drew my strength from you know mm-hmm. your strength may look different and that's totally cool and i have no problem with that but this is what helped me get get through and that's what you have to do whether it's it's cancer or a loss or tragedy whatever that is in life you know find those things that that give you strength that you can rely on and give you confidence that you're gonna it's it's gonna be bad but kind of like ultra running it'll get better yeah you know it's yeah gonna, it might be bad for a while but it'll get better it'll get and, better and you know those those phrases are you know super subjective to whatever you're going through but it might get bad, but it'll get better. That's really great. So I think one of the coolest things, of course, you're back running and you, you actually can, we're going to get into running in a little bit, but I think one of the coolest things I got to see, be a part of, was you finishing Vegas to Reno. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that, that was a great day and to, to see at the finish line was, made a great day even better, you know, so... As but you I had sh- tried before. Yeah, so so something that part of the the motorcycle side of, of my hobby life and sports has been, you know, the racing piece of it. And back in 2015, you know, I had growing up in that X Games action sports era, you know, the, the Baja 1000 has always been the, you know, it's like the Super Bowl of off-road racing. And so you know, trucks and buggies and motorcycles, you know, there's the whole spectrum of it. And so while our our budget and my skills may not be ready for a Baja run where I'm at in life right now, there's a lot of great stateside series. And one of those is is the Best in the Desert series. And they do races all up and down the, the West Coast. And one of those is the Vegas Torino race. So it's a 500 mile off road race starting just outside of Las Vegas and ending outside of Reno and it's as fast as you can do it so that was the goal of mine and so a buddy and I raced it as a team in 2015 and you know we had a great day you know we learned a lot but we were kind of new to that longer format and so that race he would ride a section then we were on the same bike he would hand over the bike I'd jump on and we had a great day and, and it was a success and had our family and friends pitting for us and that was super cool and then it was always after that i was like man that was really cool but there's a whole other class called the iron man class where you ride the whole thing by yourself 
And I thought, wow, what a, what a cool accomplishment. And so that was my goal. You know, a couple of years later, that was like, I'm going to do it. And so 2019 was the year. I was like, all right, I'm going to line up for Ironman run. And so as I shared, life had other plans. And that was the year I got diagnosed with cancer. And so, you know, I remember I'd sit there in chemo and it was a tough stretch. You know, I'd have five days in a row, six to seven hours a day of just straight sitting in the chair, getting pumped full of the chemo drugs. And I'd sit there looking out the window and think about, you know, man, I, I just want to get back to riding and I just want to get outside and I want to be back with my family and friends and all these things that you have plans. And, and I didn't know if that would be the, the case. And, you know, especially that year, because I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going to do the Ironman run. And then, then cancer hit. And that was super hard. And so fast forward to 2020, I was gearing up for it, was doing a local race outside of Fallon and ended up kind of a, as a tune-up race because this the Vegas Trina race is usually held in August so hottest time of the year you know racing through Nevada you know <laughs> temperatures over 100 Makes miles sense. an hour bunch <laughs> of dust anyway so I was gearing up this race was in in July kind of a tune-up race I crashed broke my wrist knocked myself out and I think looking back on it now my brain was ready but my body wasn't you know and coming back from chemo it was such a that just taxed my body so hard that I was eager to get back on the bike and, and chase this goal, but I wasn't ready. And so another one of those kind of blessings in disguise. So then fast forward to 2021, I had been training with a great friend and, and his coaching staff, great friend Miles Brazil and all the coaches at Regulus Performance, one of the local gyms, they they kind of cater to the motorcycle racing side of things. And so Lauren had met him at a ultra marathon. They were both running together and and got talking and so I ended up getting involved with the gym and they trained me brought me back to brought my strength back brought me back to a better place than I was and and so I lined up 2021 ready for an Ironman run and it was a great day you know one of those days that races that you feel just go perfect you know no mechanical issues only went down a couple times but wasn't injured you know and just just a rush you know and, and I think the accomplishment is one thing, but just to line up on that line. And I remember, you know, riding across the desert that day, just being grateful that I, that I had the chance to do it and, and just to be back mm -hmm. uh, enjoying it and to have so many of my friends and, and family and then so many friends like yourself and Diane and, and the Trents and just so many people, you know, our, our friends. That, that were either at the finish or pitting, you know, my crew, they were just so great all along the way. And to celebrate that, it was kind of a, it meant a lot to have that day, but also uh, just where it had come from. And that was, yeah. that was super cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was a great day and just an awesome opportunity. Yeah. I could just remember looking up at the hill and watching the lights come down and just being so surreal that when you see all these you know, all the vehicles that are coming down and, and it was a really, I mean, it was emotional for us. I can't even imagine how you felt rolling into Dayton there and just, yeah, it was just, and it just so uh, much, so much fun. Yeah. It was such a great day. And, and like I said, I was just grateful to come in with this, the perspective from it that, you know, of course I was worn out it was a long day, you know, 
almost 500 miles and 13 hours on the bike nonstop. And, you know, you're getting chased by other bikes, the, the trucks, the buggies, you know, you're some sections, you're poking through rock fields, first gear, and then other sections, you're running on the rev limiter, you know, 90, 100 miles an hour, wow. you know, just wide open across yeah. the desert and just such a cool, yeah. just a, such a cool experience and just a rush of not only the event that it was, but also what it meant to me yeah. and all of our family and friends yeah. was super cool. And he won't say this, but you got what place? Yeah. So I, I was fortunate enough to earn third place that third day place. in my in Podium. Ironman amateur class. And that was, that was just icing on the cake. That was really cool. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Well, let's, let's switch over to running. You know, running is obviously where I met you guys, mm -hmm. and it's been a really big part of your life and friends as well. One of the things that you and Lauren have done that's really cool is that you guys have, there's not a whole lot of running friends that ride motorcycles with you, but you have different friend groups and areas. And that's, that's not really common. That's, that's pretty rare, actually. You know, I don't, we don't do much outside of running, but you guys do, and that running side of your life is obviously very important. I know to, to Lauren, and she's she's done a bunch of races, and is you've watched her complete and do some of her goals and and achieve some things. What's running mean to you, and how's that helped you in your journey in this life as well? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's super cool, you know, to to look back on on what me what running has has become for me in my life. You know, like I said, I ran a season across country in middle school, but it was never really my thing. And even, you know, Lauren was more of a runner and, and she was a runner shortly after she got, got into running more right after we met. And her dad is, has always been a great runner. And so they've, they've run a couple marathons together and a 50 K together. And that, that's been super cool. But you know, I was always on the sidelines cheering her on. You know, I was laughed. I was the guy sitting on the curb eating donuts, watching all the runners <laughs> go by at all the races. But, you know, how I came to run, you know, I'll let her share that story with you. But it was, it, it's been so cool. You know, my first race was the Kokanee Half Marathon, which, Ken, you were the race director of. So that was where we first met, right around that time frame. And so, you know, Lauren had been running with our running group, the Silver State Striders, for some time, and they had, they called the Starter Striders. It was kind of a people that, you know, hadn't run before or people that were new to running or, you know, wanted to set this goal of running this half marathon up in South Lake Tahoe and a beautiful course overlooking Lake Tahoe. It's in the fall. In October, the leaves are changing, and so starting the summer of 2016 with the, the fellow Starter Striders, we trained together and learned all about this running thing. And then come to October, we ran that race. And I think that, you know, Ken, you're, through your impact at that race and welcoming us all in, it's changed my life for the better. And, and I've met so many great people through it. And it's been a new challenge in life and just such a great piece of my health, you know, both before and after that cancer chapter to just, it's been such a great thing. And that's, yeah. that's been really cool. Yeah. It was nice. It was awesome to see all the people rally behind you during the tough times, cancer. And I mean, and they do it for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's just the coolest thing. That's what it's so cool. I, I totally forgot about the starter striders and that was a big part of that year. 
Yeah. And a lot of Proud Sarger Sarger yeah. Strider class of yeah. 2016. Woo! Woo! Yeah, you're, you, you've graduated and you're now on, and you'd completed a pretty incredibly – a pretty incredible tough race this last year, 100K, right? Yeah, so my first 100K, that was in April, ran the Canyons 100K, and coming up in November, I signed up for my first 100-miler. And so I've had the opportunity to, to crew and pace for a lot of friends and for Lauren for the 100-mile distance, and I'm excited to jump into that challenge on my own. Which one are you going to do? So it's, it's Rio Del Lago, 100-mile, mm-hmm. and so... I figured this is the time to, to jump into it and give it a shot. Right. So I'm you know, familiar with the trails, and it's just over the hill from us outside of Sacramento. So that'll be a good time, and, and I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Can you tell me about the three biggest events that got you to where you are today? If you could go back, yeah. what are the three biggest things you can think of that has shaped your identity, your who you are today? That's a good question. I have to say the the three things that have shaped to where I am today, I think it would be first off my faith journey, what that's looked like, and the people that have played roles in that and how that continues to evolve. Second would be probably the family life. So that would be that transition from, you know, growing up to getting married and building my life with Lauren and what that looks like from being a child into an adult and building our family together of Lauren and I and but still of a bigger family unit, you know, with, you know, my mom and dad are always going to be my mom and dad and I, and I love them and, and our, our, family structure looks that way and and now welcoming Lauren in and on the flip side you know her parents Bill and Robin are awesome and them welcoming into their family and then our family as a whole what that looks like you know that's another defining moment and then you know I'd have to say this the cancer chapter of my story you know I I look at that kind of before and after and you know I look at what life was leading up to that point and what it's been since then and how my perspective has changed, my priorities, and where I've really put my focus. And it's kind of been a lot of, you know, not to get super deep, but, you know, figuring out what do I want the most out of life? What does that look like? Where do I want my priorities to be? Mm -hmm. Because when you're faced with a point where, hey, this might be it in life, you know, it really changes your perspective and it's also kind of a fresh start you know yeah. kind of a jimmy 2.0 scenario interesting you know? yeah jimmy 2.0 yeah better stronger faster I, i'd like to think so <laughs> <laughs> well you killed it in the 100k so you're definitely stronger and Thank i you. i know that riding 500 miles on our motorcycle has got to prove some things to people that is a feat in and of itself so Thank you. when you when you talk when you think about identity and we identity is the reason why it's so fascinating to me is because I don't people really look at it the way that I do sometimes. And that is, and I said it when we started, it's when you know who you are, you're powerful. And I can see that in your life. I see that thread. Of, there's, a, there's a, because you had a very incredible strong upbringing. But on your side, 
you know, how do you see identity? It's interesting because I feel like, you know, there's so many different ways that people look at identity. It's all unique to each person and it's all, all different. You know, a lot of people draw identity from their hobbies or their, their roles in their, their life or their profession or whatever that looks like, maybe their culture or their heritage. And those are all great things. And, and people draw on that to kind of shape how they live their life. And for me, just identity in general, I look at three different areas. I think the first one, you know, kind of qualifiers of what identity looks like to me. And I think first off, it's something, identity is what you draw your purpose and your values from. You know, what do you have your eyes focused on? The second piece is you take your identity wherever you go. So no matter what role you're in, where you are in life, the crowds, wherever you are, it, it's consistent within each of those. You carry it with you wherever you go. And then the third thing is, I like to think it's, it's timeless. You know, there's no time frame for it or a season of where, you know, looking back on life, this was this season or this profession was this season or what my role in my family looked like was this in this season. And so kind of looking at those three things, you know, people may have different ways they go about it. But for me, I'd like to think that where I find my identity is in my faith, you know, and as a Christian and, you know, I'm always learning and I don't say that I have it right. You know, it's a process and it's a relationship and, and I'm always growing, but that's something that you know, I found over the years and also especially in this last season of life in remission that there's a lot of things that that I've tried to fill a hole or feel content or establish myself in. And they've most of them have all been great things. And I've really things that I'm proud of, you know, accomplishments. You know, I value greatly my roles as a husband, as a son, you know, as a son-in-law as an uncle, you know, all those things, those are very important to me. I value my job and, and putting out great work and being a, a good employee and, and then in friend circles, being there for my friends and, you know, the list we can go on and on and, and things that we all shoot to be in life. But for me, you know, I try to look at where am I looking at instead of, you know, that's, as a Christian, that's been the only thing that's I feel like as I look back through life, while the roles and the activities and the positions and things like that may have changed, that's something that's always been consistent and, and always growing and, and gives a fulfilling feeling that accomplishments or things like that may not have been able to. Awesome. So wrapping it up here, I would love to know what your favorite verse is, Bible verse. Yeah. Well, one one that's that's been interesting. You know, I talked earlier about how how God has a plan in things. You know, and that we may not know at the time. And so, one of my favorites, I think, is Isaiah forty three two. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Is the first half of that verse. And so, growing up as somebody that liked doing a lot of things behind the boat, water skiing, wakeboarding, you know, that was kind of the go to. It was like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> we talk, can make this fit. Yeah, we can make this fit, you know, <laughs> taking it out of context and, and plugging it in, you know, that makes sense. But later, you know, the second half of that verse is when you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. And so I look back at, you know, what this cancer season's been and to say, yeah, you know, I've I've seen God's provision in every step of the way. And to see, you know, 
sure, I got pretty singed, and my my insides got got cooked from the chemo, and and physically it knocked me down. Mentally, it's it's beaten me up, and it's it's been a hard season then, and still at times is. But to know that I can trust in in His provision in my life, and to know that I don't know what's ahead, you know, just like I didn't know what it looked like to say, hey, cancer is part of my story, you know, and, and I don't know what's what's ahead in life, but going back to the identity thing, I know that I can be confident in God's provision yeah, so and know that, that he'll be there for me. Yeah, that's so good. Because he answers prayer. He does. Yeah, you're a living God example of it. I, yeah. I yeah. There was one thing you would leave with somebody that maybe is going through a tough time. Maybe it's cancer, maybe it's just... Maybe it's just a tough time. Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? You know, I think that whether it is cancer, a tragedy, a loss, you know, things that you may be struggling with, remember that those things are just a chapter in your story. It's not the whole book. And there's there's so much more to your life than to to chalk up you know, failures or tragedies or things like that. And there's people that love you and want to support you through it and be there for you. So reach out to those people. They love you and find your why, why to push through it because it may be hard, but it's going to get better. It's really good. Well, I just want to thank you. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Ken. I've gotten to know you a little bit better now. I didn't know so much of your upbringing. So that's so good. I appreciate you being on. It's an honor to have you on. And thank you so much. Well, it's an honor to be here, Ken, and thank you for all that you do, you and Diane, in in each one of our lives. You know, you're such great friends, you're such great mentors, and just grateful for your impact in in our family's lives and excited for what's ahead for you. Thank you. I'm excited. We got got a lot to look forward to, right? We do. We do. A lot on the horizon. (laughs) A lot on the horizon. I also wanted to ask you, Jimmy, if, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you to do maybe some graphic design work or any any of the kind of stuff that you do with your business? Yeah, you know, I I love helping out businesses and learning more about the different industries and things that people may do. And so if there's any way that I can help, check out watsonbrandinganddesign.com. All my contact info is on there and you can see some of my work. And it's very good. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, Ken. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Jimmy. I am always so inspired by Jimmy and his journey. I am honored to have lived a little bit of that journey and call him my friend. I will never forget him with Lauren, his family and friends at the Cancer Treatment Center, ringing that bell symbolizing that his cancer treatment was over and he was cancer free. Through prayer and his determination to live his life in his true identity, I and others have witnessed Jimmy live life to the fullest and uplift and encourage others. One of the takeaways from the interview that inspired me was Jimmy's response to how he would encourage someone who was experiencing hard times. He said, remember, those things are just a chapter in your story. It's not the whole book. There's so much more to your life than that stuff. There's people that love you and want to support you through it and be there for you. So reach out to those people. They love you. Also, find your why. Why you're going to push through because it may be hard right now, but it's going to get better. Wow. Thank you, Jimmy. You've been listening to the Who Do You Think You Are podcast with Ken Castro. If you want more of this and want to learn more about my community, 
go to www.endurancelead.com. Make sure you hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening. And if you found this podcast inspiring, please leave a comment and share this with a friend. And remember, when you know who you are, you are powerful. Thank you.